And I want to promote my new album to you Because you've got to get out there and try it out And listen to my songs Pay for it with money that you've earned working a job That's the only way to live No one should skate by These no-good, liberal, lazy losers Wanting everything handed to them Not on my watch There's a great new song on my album called Spend the Day in Bed That's right And I also mentioned that I sleep in my sheets that I paid for Yeah, I can do what I want because I've earned them I can lay in bed and make sock puppets and drink tea and kiss my knuckles if I want and curl up and make shadow puppets I can do what I want because I've earned it I've earned it I've been out there working for so long Please let me get what I want and that's to lay in bed with a number of other people around me and doing whatever they want but I'm closed off to the world cause I'm laying in bed like all my steelworker buddies the toughest guys you know that's right you don't get anything in the world by just sitting around you've gotta get out there and sweat please let me get what I want Joe just wants so please buy my album from a hard working taking no crap I'm not in any way interested in your sorrow stories you hand out wanting piece of crap please buy my new album hello and welcome to the space cave a big warg to all of you hope you had a lovely earth day and a good record store day and are getting ready for the next junk show which will be i think on mother's day the second Sunday of every month. The next one's the second Sunday in May. I think that's the 13th. Let's get straight into some chatting. This is a voice you're probably familiar with if you listen to her podcast, which I'm on pretty frequently, called Allison Rosen is Your New Best Friend. We met doing a Doug Benson, I think Doug Loves Movies. It might have been, yeah, for sure was. Um, and we've just hit it off and become pals since. She was... Uh, Nice enough to stop by and chat a little bit. And if you haven't purchased her new book yet, go check it out. It's called Tropical Attire Encouraged and Other Phrases That Scare Me. Here is part one with Allison Rosen. You know, I feel like I need to adjust, turn the, okay, there we go. How's sure. the sound? It sounds good to me. Okay, How's good. It, you? it sounds good. wrangle it that way also. Do you want it to be that way? It's totally I feel you. like this feels, oh, this Okay, I feel like that feels right, I'm right on it. I'm right on it. <laughs> You're right in there. <laughs> yeah. I, I, uh, sometimes I have a bad habit of lean, like nuzzling 
I'll never oh. it. And so these are nice because like they get they're way too loud. Mm-hmm. A lot of other microphones, like the big like studio kind, right? You can get right on. And I, yeah. I I do I I like when I'm right on it. Uh-huh. A lot of people, uh, the neophytes, I would call them, that come in and I. Like, do you want to wear headphones? And sometimes they're like, no, nah, I think I'm good. And then they're, all of a sudden they're over here. They're way off. They don't yeah. know what they're doing. Or no. they just pull back here. Yeah. There must have been something that was on television long ago that infiltrated everyone's thought as to how a microphone works, where maybe it's just in movies where people like hold it way off to the side, but like, oh, they are holding a microphone, therefore it's picking up everything. I used to have that thought back when I was a neophyte. I don't know why. Maybe it, I honestly think it came from having done stuff in like maybe something at school assembly or various uh-huh. other things where it's like the stage is mic'd. That's yeah, what I thought. Yeah, yeah. So I thought wherever you are, it's picking you up, but mm-hmm. not so. No. And it, it maybe if people were in the room, the, everyone would go, oh, I'm picking up that sound because... Because I can hear her and she's like <laughs> 12 feet in front of me or less. But mics are, they're like a bad audience member, I guess, that if you're talking not directly at right. them, they won't pick it up. <laughs> <laughs> I just won't get it. Did you ever do any theater? A little bit, yeah. I was in a performance of uh, Tom Sawyer when I was in eighth grade. You're probably not familiar with the musical of Tom Sawyer, are you? I feel like our school cobbled it together. I don't think it actually <laughs> exists as a musical. So the school I went to did an eighth grade musical every year. I uh, And the seven, if you were in seventh grade, you could be on crew. Ooh, nice. And so when I was in seventh grade, the eighth grade musical was Grease. Yeah. And I got the position of house lights. <laughs> <laughs> Which is so sad because I didn't even get to see the musical because I was just, it was in the lights. gymnasium. I was off to the side. Yeah. And it's like house, like basically I had to turn them on, the, you know, or no turn. They started on, then I'd turn them off during intermission. I would turn them on, turn them off. Yeah. Like there really wasn't much that happened with them. You probably, I mean, maybe as a seventh grader, who knows how you felt, but I, I felt get- important. <laughs> But in your mind, were you like, I'm going to have to bring levels down yes. gently, then ever so gently bring up this spotlight over yeah. here. And like, I felt like that. I was going to be the star of the show. <laughs> Not so. I almost got, I, I, I came around to feeling insulted by the position. Mm-hmm. Also, one day it was raining and there was a leak and I was leaning against a metal chair and I began to feel little bits of electricity. And I thought, this doesn't seem like a good situation. Uh, so we just moved the metal chair. So I was no longer... Uh, on the receiving end of something that was conducting electricity. That is uh, It's smart. fine. I'm here today. But anyway, yeah. So I was crew seventh grade. And then I had like a comic relief role in eighth grade. Of course, I wanted to play the ingenue. They disagreed about... Who's the ingenue? Becky. <laughs> Becky Thatcher. <laughs> what she is dates it in the Tom book? Sawyer. Oh, Becky Thatcher. Yeah. And she is an ingenue or her name is ingenue? She is an ingenue. What That's is, what I'm saying. Is, what is Oh, that? an ingenue? Wow. Really putting the screws to me today. An ingenue is, I believe, like a young, the young love interest who's all like sleek and sexy and young and naive. And instead, I played Mrs. Harper, who was more like, did you watch the Hogans, the Hogan family, or Valerie, which were all different names for the same show at different times? It sounds very familiar. The Hogans, for sure. Yeah, I feel like she was more like in the mold of Mrs. Poole, who was played by Edie McClurg. (laughs) <laughs> like, there's like two people out there who are going to be like I know what you mean <laughs> it, it's striking me as that you got cast to play sort of an old like not a hag but Mm-mm. an old like serious type no she wasn't <laughs> she wasn't an ingenue no she, no 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 but I remember from off stage I began 
And I haven't thought about this in so long, and it's crazy that it's coming back to me. It really stays with you. Mm-hmm. Like, she had a crush on Mr. Dobbins, who I think was a teacher, and, and off stage, I would go like, oh, Mr. Dobbins! <laughs> and then I would, like, flit about on stage in this ridiculous hat. It was, imp- <laughs> it was important work I was doing. Yeah. Yeah. And did I ever do more? <laughs> I feel like that was the extent of my... The- I took drama in college. Oh. The teacher gave me her number to stay in touch with her after class. I mean, not after class, after I graduated, in case I wanted to pursue it further. Like, hey, you've got a gift. Here's my number. Mm -hmm. I teach at a school, and I know everybody. Well, I I think it was, you've got a gift. Here's my number. And then I remember calling her, and I was like, that was so fruitless. (laughs) Like... (laughs) I'm not in a movie. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not starting in anything right now. But, what, but how did I, the call go? Was it you? Like, hey, I'm serious. I want to pursue it. Yeah, I, honestly, I cannot remember. I know it was disappointing. <laughs> um, I think she was surprised that I actually called her. Oh yeah. And she didn't have much advice. I don't. I wish I could remember because it would make this story a lot better. Yeah, it really would. I Want me to make I, something up? Yeah, make something up. Like how. I'm you. I'll be you on the okay. end of the phone. And then the phone, you answer the phone and I go, hey, um, is this Miss, or say her name's Emily. Is this Emily? Yes. You. This is so strange. You may not remember me, but I took your class, I can't remember if it was last semester or the one before. It's been a bit. Mm-hmm. But you gave me your card and said if there's any way maybe you could, I could help you out or that you could help me out, that I should follow through. And so I, I guess that's kind of what I'm doing. Tell me more about yourself. I'm trying to place you. <laughs> so I'm not an ingenue. I'm more of a Mrs. Poli. Was that the name? I can't remember. But Mrs. Poole? Mrs. Poole. Oh, from, from the Hogan's. Hogan's. Yeah, yes, yeah. okay. Yeah. I, okay. But you just... But you just graduated, so you're young. I'm young, and I give give it my all. I will. T- I try hard. I had a winning smile and personality. Mm-hmm. I have dark hair. Oh yes, Alice. Close, Allison. Yes, I remember you. You were in my intro to drama class. <laughs> right. <laughs> you. Right. We did those improv exercises. Yeah, and I yeah. did some of them. I participated mm-hmm. in some of them. Yes. Oh yes. Wait a minute. We did a scene from Crimes of the Heart where you complained that you only had one ovary. Was that you? Yes. You <laughs> now I, re- I do remember you. Well, one. so I don't know. I've just gotten the bug lately and I feel like I don't know where to start, but you did give me your card. Mm-hmm. And so I thought maybe you could point me in a good direction how to get into a movie. Hmm. Okay. I think what you... What I would recommend, and this is what I recommend to all my students, more classes, perhaps at a community college. Okay. Oh. Classes, drama classes. Sure. You should probably subscribe to Dramalog magazine or Backstage, one of the trades. Do you know, you have, do you have a, I imagine you have a computer. You graduated college. Okay. On your computer, I want you to go to G-O-O-G-L-E dot com. I'm writing Hold on. I'm writing this down. (laughs) Okay. It's called Jugal. <laughs> and then <laughs> look up what the drama trade magazines are. I know all of them. I just think <laughs> this is going to get you invested. Yeah. I think it's like Drama Log and Backstage magazines. Subscribe to those because they'll have casting notices and also ads for classes. But don't pay anyone. No, you do want to pay. You're going to need to get headshots. Okay. If you want to go out for Mrs. Poole roles. <laughs> 
or even if you want to go out for ingenue roles, even though I know that you don't see yourself as an ingenue. (laughs) So uh, you're going to have to pay for headshots. But if an agent asks you to pay them for headshots, that's a scam. Oh, thank you. Well, I got to run. Jeopardy is on. (laughs) This is very helpful. Thank you. Bye, Alice. It's Allison. <laughs> <laughs> Just the other day, this is Allison again. I'm not. I'm no longer Emily, the unhelpful teacher. That was teacher. a successful scene, though. I have a card I'd like to give you. You do? Yeah, I do a little teaching on the side also. Oh. And I can point you right to a number of websites that are just going to be dynamite for your career as an actor. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. See, I guess... All these years later, I still have the bug. <laughs> um, I was at the pharmacy. So I sort of made friends with uh, a pharmacist because we were both pregnant at the same time. And she had her. She, she works at the pharmacy. I don't think she's like the lead pharmacist. What would you call that? <laughs> she's assistant a, pharmacist? Yeah, she's an assistant <laughs> pharmacist. Uh, Just sorting pills for now, but I'm moving up. You'll see. <laughs> well, it's like when you go to CVS. Mm-hmm. There's the big picture of the main pharmacist, and then there's a picture of her. Yeah. I think she is, an, I don't know if they call her associate pharmacist, but she's definitely, <laughs> she's like in line, like if something were to happen to the main pharmacist, she's right in there. Okay. She's just a heartbeat away <laughs> from that white lab coat. The pressure. So she was pregnant at the same time I was. She had her baby a few weeks after I did. And so we've kind of become friends, or so I thought. Yeah. <laughs> Except when I went in recently, she said, happy birthday, Alice. And I was like, there's a lot going on in this sentence. Yeah. And she said, it's his birthday, right? And it is Elliot's birthday soon, but my name's not Alice. And then she said, goodbye, Alice, to me. And I really feel like I really should just be like oh thank you for almost remembering but instead instead it's like that's not me i know and this is like an ideal friendship where her name's on a name tag and your name is on whatever prescription she's handing you well yes here's the thing though i don't know how to pronounce her name and it's a common name Mm. i just don't know it's like it's it's spelled elena but i think she pronounces it alana or elena it's not that. It's not a Lena. No, so it might be. You think it's a Lana. E-L-E-N-A? I'm pretty sure. But a Lana out of that? Oof, that's a stretch. I know. It's something where it's not the way that I would think you pronounce it. Oh, yeah. So then it's pref- Maybe it is a Lena. I mean, that's a common one with that spelling. Look, you already asked that, and I already said it's not that. <laughs> but just think it through. <laughs> Look, I'll give it a try, but I'm pretty sure it's not that. <laughs> what if someone called you? What do you get? That's close to Dave or David. Daniel. Daniel all oh, the time. And how do you feel about it? Um, I forget what I do. I feel like I have a move where I, I think I just, like, if someone has food in their teeth or a little bug hanging, I go, food in your teeth. And just stand there and brace for whatever hurricane is about to come my way. How dare you? Which has never happened. Yeah, people, I feel like usually people are appreciative. They, they cover their mouth. If they're your friend, they go, what? If they're not your friend, they cover their mouth. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. And you're like, you don't have to pretend to do this. I would hope you would do this for me. Yeah. But if, if they say Daniel, I go, David, and then they, what? Did, did, and then they go, did, did I just say Daniel? Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, it happens. They go, oh, I'm so, I, I don't know. And then they go through a story of like, I, I was thinking my friend. And I said, so that happens from time to time. Wait, now. do you say it in that tone though? David. Yeah. Because I feel like that's a really good way of handling it as opposed to, oh, I don't know, make you feel uncomfortable, <laughs> but it's actually David. You do David. a little, little crouch down, little side point, David. <laughs> like, <laughs> I know. I, I 
like it. I'm going to start doing it. Amazon. <laughs> you do. It feels natural. Yeah, it'll take some of the... The one time I didn't have a chance to do it, I was walking with a comedian who's like... I don't know him all that well, but we've seen each other for years. And like we were walking along in Portland going to these food trucks. And I was going to some on the left. He was going to some on the right. After maybe 10 blocks, it was kind of a long walk. We're chatting about everything. And then we get to our break where left and right are happening. And he goes, all right, Dan. Just <laughs> confidently stride it off. And I didn't have time to do my David. And so I, but otherwise, yeah, I think I try to just get it right away, right mm-hmm. when it happens. So now you have... Either she's going to look, because she can see it on your prescription or, or whatever she's handing you, right? Yes, she, this is how friendly we are. She wasn't the one who was giving me my, me my, my excuse me, I have a lot of emotion about this. <laughs> she wasn't the one who was handing me my pills. It was someone else. She was just saying hi from That's behind the, the counter. When you make That's, friends with someone and yeah, they like come out of their way to, to call you the wrong name. There was um, this burrito shop in Venice when I first moved here, and I would go in there. It was so grimy. It couldn't have had a very good score from the health department. Mm -hmm. It later changed like a year later to a different restaurant that like did this whole renovation and cleaned it all up, and it looked... But when it was greasy and grimy, I'd be one of the few people in there, but the food was really good. But I'd see the same cook. He was this young kid. He was like 20 back there, just working away, and I'd... So pretty soon it started with like a, a wave or he'd chuck in a little extra salsa or a few extra chips and then I the wave turned to like thanks man and then him like kind of a shy like hey you're in here all the time kind of a look and then I don't know when I, ca- I crossed this sort of threshold but I eventually started it was kind of high you could only really see him from like the nose up uh-huh. he's back there working so I would like reach over that to shake his hand <laughs> I remember thinking, like, this is really stupid. But I like this guy. I don't want him to know, like, yeah. I appreciate these burritos. And uh, The health inspector's, like, <laughs> shaking hands with employees. <laughs> so <No>. gross. <laughs> and, but, yeah, like, if... Oh, wait, I'm did, sorry. I am... I'm so dist- I'm trying to focus, but I'm so distracted because my brain is stuck on this. How would you know when he was throwing in extra chips? Like, what's the difference between regular chips and a few extra chips? I think the burritos normally came without chips. Oh, I or see. Or he would even ask me, like, do you want green salsa? Because I think it came with red. Mm-hmm. And then he pretty soon had to not ask because he knew, like, this guy wants some green salsa. I see. And then pretty soon, oh, there's a few chips I there. see. That kind of thing. So it was, it wasn't like more chips than you normally got. It was yeah. chips when normally you didn't get chips. Yeah. Stuff okay. like that. Little things we like that. We can move on now. We can. Because <laughs> yeah. when you walk in and you see the lead pharmacist mm-hmm. and then boom, pharmacist Elena B, Alana. Alana. <laughs> L swings into the scene to just say, hey, Alice, it still feels good that she went out of her way to be like, oh, that woman I like is in here. You know what I think? Yes, it does. All of a sudden, now I'm thinking maybe it's spelled A-L-A-N-A, but it's pronounced Elena. Oh. It might be that. It might be tricky like that. Yeah, that, that feels more right. Well, so wait. So anyway, what happened with your guy? You know, I... I either it was after I moved to Culver City or I didn't go there as much, but somehow in the interim it had been one of those things like oh, I haven't been there in a few months, and I went back and it was totally different. Mm. And then I thought that's like life in general. Like so many people that you're very familiar with now are gonna disappear, and you don't have any means to ever follow up or keep in touch with them. Right. And then I just thought like that's kind of sad. But it would have been weirder if I was like, hey man, I don't want to lose touch. <laughs> <laughs> so give me your info. I bet you could find him on Facebook. No way. You don't think so? I don't think so. I don't even know if, I think the place was called Tony's, but I think that also might have been mm. the next place it was called when it was nicer. That'd be hard then. It'd be tough to just like do a search of former 
employment. Yeah, what the hell was it called? I don't even remember. It would be virtually impossible. And if I'm honest, I don't have the effort or energy in me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like Jan- John Krakow, have you read any of his books? I have not. If like if you passed away, all those people in your life would be featured in the book. Like he finds them. It's really fascinating. The people that can just talk a little bit about you with no affiliation or association with like your normal life. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, well, yeah, she used to come in here and do this. And pick up pills. <laughs> Get those pills. <laughs> she always brought her CVS card. <laughs> but there'll be something I'm sure they could say that would kind of, to a reader, offer like, oh, that's really sweet. Or, oh, that's very Alice. Wait, what's John Krakauer? Uh, what books has he written? Into Thin Air, Into the, oh, into the Wild yeah. was his first big one, Under the Banner of Heaven. Uh, Missoula was, I think, the most recent one. Whew. Can't recommend it enough or at all. Not Don't read it, or if you do, it's really good, but it's it's rough. It's about like um, rape on college campuses. That's what Missoula is about? Yeah, and it's oof, it's heavy, but worth reading. Like I feel if I have a daughter, I'd want her to read it and just be like, get a shifty-eyed countenance and trust no one. <laughs> You're going to school. <laughs> I feel like that is what my parents instilled in me. Um, not specifically as regarding rape, but just as regarding the world. Get a shifty-eyed <laughs> countenance, trust no one. Yeah. And now as a parent, I do understand it. At the same time, I don't know that it's... Like, I don't know that it helps to go through the world that paranoid. Yeah, I'm curious about... because. The little bit I know about you really is just pieced together through, I feel like you've been doing the podcast so long and that everyone knows you and your story so much better than I do, mm-hmm. it's like coming from Orange County and like getting into journalism and then getting involved with Red Eye and then Corolla. Mm-hmm. But I'm curious, like your parents in that aspect of, cause you came out of it successful. Like you're, you have an outgoing personality, you're like ambitious and you follow through on things, all these things that you would want to instill in someone. Cause I think a lot of times, um, people that are maybe brought up in a way that they feel like, Oh, it's too controlling or it was too right. this. They either end up like spun out on drugs or living in their parents' basement long into their adult life or things like that. So not to cut you off, but I, I guess to give a launch point to what you were starting to mm-hmm. say. Well, yes. I think that I have not so much anymore, but for a long time at the beginning, it, I would in therapy be like, like, I don't, <laughs> this is so inarticulate right now. So excuse me, I will find the words in a moment. Or let's, let's say I would be bonding with another woman over the way that we, the kind of patterns of relationships we have. Mm -hmm. And for her, it would be like her dad left when she was four. And it's like, what happened to me? Like, why am I this way? I'm like, I don't know. Because on paper, everything looked right. Like I, my parents are still together. I have loving parents. I grew up in a fine area. I went to good schools. Um, You know, there, there wasn't anything so glaring so I don't know and also to to your point like I'm functioning and and I have many great qualities I think um you do and it's weird to say that you were being inarticulate because I feel like your vocabulary with especially throughout lobbying out something like ingenue I mean you really it's really impressive your ability to like command language as you are describing your thoughts or feelings. Oh, sure. thank you. Thank sure, you very much. Yeah. A, a memory, I'm, uh, this is a, a slight uh, tangent, but a memory that popped into my head recently that was like such a, I have many memories that pop into my head and I think, did that really happen? And these are not like repressed memories, like did that horrendous thing really happen? It's more like, did that b- 
bizarre thing really happened. And, I, and I'm pretty sure, I mean, I know it did. So a friend of mine committed suicide and I was, this is many years ago, and I was very wrecked by, by that experience, as you would imagine. Mm-hmm. And I went to this, there was another person who had committed suicide. And before that, this is, again, inarticulate or articulate, uh, through someone who knew that guy, um, I found this like support group for people who'd lost someone via suicide. And to join the group, you had to first have a session with the therapist who ran it. And so I remember sitting down with her, this was in Pasadena, I think, sitting down with her and having a session with her. And she said something to me like, your vocabulary will bring you comfort. And I was like, I don't know that that's how it works. (laughs) Like, you know, it it, is something and that wasn't exactly how she said it, but it was, but the message was because of my vocabulary, this won't be as hard for me. And it's like, that is not how vocabulary works. (laughs) Although I will be able to talk a lot about it and write so much bad poetry, which I did at the time I wrote just reams (laughs) of poetry. Um, But maybe there's something, obviously like, I think, there probably is something to, like you can you can put into you can translate your emotions into words maybe is what she was trying to say if you have control over those faculties and your ability to process feelings and describe them as opposed to, when you think of the most angry people mm-hmm. typically men who i've as far as neural neurology or neuroscience would say like a lower functioning frontal lobe, fewer neurons, inability to like rationalize things, more impulsy mm-hmm. than I'm mad and punching walls and stuff, as opposed to something like the like ability to be eloquent in describing like yeah the frustrations I'm feeling right now can be yeah. described as this. I, I think maybe there is something to that. That's a weird way to say it. Though. I think so. Maybe, maybe. Although I think that there's a danger is too strong a word, but you if you are someone who is like pretty wordy and cerebral, then you can try to intellectualize and rationalize your feelings and not actually feel them. Yeah. I don't know. I had only 99% of the topics I'm going to bring up involve me being in therapy. Okay. (laughs) There is that 1% where I'm actually living life in therapy yesterday. uh, I was out of therapy for a while. And then after having a baby went back in and then as I've talked about at length on my podcast, (laughs) (laughs) because I get lost trying to find the office. However, I've, David Huntsberger knows, and I'm going to use your full name on your podcast in case people are wondering who I'm talking to. Uh, I've mastered now at the therapist and the psychiatrist's office, I can get there in one convenient shot. Whoa. Yeah. What changed it? What happened? A mnemonic device where I realized the name of the psychiatrist starts with S and I need to take the south elevator not yeah. the North Tower elevator because the North Tower elevator drops you off in another city. <laughs> and then 45 minutes later, when you feel like you've circled the place six times, you're finally in front of the door <laughs> and the doctor has been, the doctor's assistant has been calling you. No, I finally realized if I just take, so I, I nailed that one mm-hmm. I'm doing so well on that. And then with the, the therapist, I don't know. I just, one day I'm like, I'm going to take this hallway and see where it leads. And it was, so much faster and now I can even go to the bathroom without getting lost it's really yeah isn't that a lot like life <laughs> you're you're I think you're it confused. is you make the same mistake mm-hmm. over and over and over and can't believe like how do I keep doing this yeah. and then one day hopefully if you're cognizant of what you are doing right then you go I can pay attention here and make some little change or but yes that is that is like life for me 
But some people would just nail it on the first try. I think we think that. But I bet everyone you talk to would say, oh, I got lucky with this relationship. But they're also just in it up until that point. If you talk to them 10 years later, like, oh, remember all that shit where I would pretend that everything was working out? Oh, wow. yeah. No, I mean specifically in terms of being able to, to find places, though. <laughs> oh, just strictly directions? <laughs> yeah, there might be some. <laughs> I think you're right, though, in terms of muddling through other life experiences, yeah. though. So anyway, I was in therapy yesterday <laughs> and we were having this long conversation. And then my therapist said this entire conversation is a manifestation of your anxiety. I was like, well, fuck you. <laughs> I didn't really think fuck you, but I thought, I don't know. I felt a little bit judged by that. Um, Did it feel like a therapist? That seems like a very therapisty thing to say. Like, oh, this will kind of encapsulate stuff and sound diagnosis-like, but it doesn't seem to have a lot of weight to it. Right. Well, it was a discussion of, so I, again, I don't, this is not the face I want to be presenting to the world, <laughs> and yet, and yet here I go, even because I've also talked about this on my show as well. I was never on any antidepressant or anything. I had this resistance to them. Um, I felt like any, you know, it's just a matter of working through things in therapy, talk therapy, etc. And that I, I also felt like the experience of being alive is one of feeling not that great. Like, mm -hmm. that's just what life is. Yeah. And then it got, you know, after I had sort of a traumatic uh, childbirth, and some months later, it just got just got too dark and I'm like okay I need to talk to someone because I'm having these intrusive thoughts and what's going on and so then I was put on Lexapro I was open to it and put on Lexapro and it helped me a lot and also just being in therapy helped me a lot and I, I worked through a lot of that but with the Lexapro it's like it helps a lot and I'm like oh my god is this what the experience of life is like feeling <laughs> contented and surges of love for people and just looking forward to tomorrow and all this stuff that I haven't felt in a really long time but so like I'll be on it and then all of a sudden you know I'll start feeling depressed again not like before but just like well this doesn't okay this doesn't seem to be that feeling that I had seems to be going away yeah. then they'll up the dose and then it'll work for a while and then it'll go you know then it'll start going away and then they'll up the dose and and for the last three uppages of the dose is uppage a word Sure. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I've wondered, uh-oh, is this just how this is going to be? Like, it's going to work and then stop and we're going to have to keep going to a higher dose because I don't want to keep doing that. Yeah. So at my last... So you're eventually just hauling around an IV, just pumping <laughs> exactly. all day. Feeling great. <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyway, the psychiatrist thinks that this is just not the right drug for me. Mm -hmm. So the options are either just nothing or... Well, uh, Wellbutrin or Zoloft. And I kind of want to see what it would be like to be on nothing. And no one seems to think that's a good idea. Like people who don't even know me seem to not think that's a good idea. <laughs> like I saw my gynecologist. Boy, <laughs> I am. So do you want me to go back to talking about how I've lost millimeters off my back teeth because no, of the enamel like loss? This. Okay. I, I like, I, I feel like this is very indicative of what I think is so fascinating about your podcast in general, mm -hmm. but then you in particular, like in a lot of ways, like society culture being alive right now is a mix of a number of things. Some of them are, you know, I, oh, we have to share too much. And, and what what are we sharing? And I think folded into that for me to a certain degree is like, well, are, is there still literature that stands on its own? Or would the person have to have like a robust social media following right. to get the word good out? Question. And so I think the idea of someone living in the woods and writing a novel and sending it in and it being so unbelievable that it gets published and gets renowned is 
virtually non-existent anymore. You, you kind of have to give a bit of yourself to the world. And, and even if it's pictures of your home life or whatever, mm-hmm. just so people go, I like this person. I would venture into what they offer. And I think that it, like magnified a bunch is really what people want. We want stories. We want to share. We want to see that other people are experiencing life and feeling these things. And so like that you are sort of more than an open book. <laughs> I'm too open. I am too open. (laughs) But I mean, that has to be, it really resonates with people. And it's, it's, I don't think it's easy. I think it's easy to like conflagrate that with like YouTube culture and people Mm -hmm. that look at me, look at me, look at me all the time. Right. I don't think it's that at all. I think it's much more the thought. And so I think it's very interesting. Thank you. That's a very, that makes me feel really good because as you started talking, I mean, as you were, not as you started, as you were talking, I was all of a sudden thinking like, uh-oh, I, what if I'm the opposite? Like, I don't have my literature that I wrote in the woods, although I do have a book <laughs> coming out in early April. Um, uh, but like, what if I'm just the social media stuff? Oh, but I'm sure. not, I'm my, I'm even a podcast. Even if you were though, even if you, the, the podcast is of itself a thing and, and could be a how-to guide for people. And I, I think we're like, oh, we're all raised you. with that feeling of, I didn't read War and Peace, but I watched this documentary series. You lazy piece of shit, you gotta <laughs> read it. You know? Yeah. And I think that's going away where people like the content, the, the way that you fill your mind has value. Mm-hmm. And I think for a lot of people, I, I know, like having been at your show, especially live, like the people, it matters. Like they're really attached to someone who's willing to go through life and share these kind of things. So you don't need to apologize. Okay. So I'm at the gynecologist (laughs) because I'm leaking pee now. (laughs) I have what's called mixed incontinence. It happens when I when I cough, and now I've got urge incontinence as well, which is where (laughs) this is all from having a baby. It's where I think I need to pee, and then a second before I get to the toilet. I'm peeing. Mm-hmm. It happened twice in one day. There was a lot of laundry done, and I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> I have got to go to to the gynecologist. So anyway, it's just a very, very slight bladder looseness pr- prolapse or something, which sounds horrendous, but um, I can just go to physical therapy. But anyway, she was like taking my history at the beginning, and she's like, what medications are you on? And I said, oh, well, you know, I was put on Lexapro, but I'm tapering off. And she's like, to nothing? <laughs> I wish I could have snapshot your face right there. <laughs> she, I mean, she knows me. She delivered my baby, but like it was really a business relationship we had as opposed to these other doctors who I feel like really yeah. get to know, you know, get the podcast real version of me. <laughs> I mean, like she didn't really, doesn't know me. So it was just weird that like the therapists don't think I should be on and both the the psychiatrist and my therapist feel it would be a mistake for me to be taking nothing and then also my gynecologist doesn't know me seemed horrified over the idea of me being on nothing but I feel like that's less about me than it is the idea of like that you hear all the time of people take these drugs and then they feel better because of the drugs and then they try to go off and then all hell breaks loose Mm -hmm. I just don't know that that's going to be me, but it might be. I just want to experiment because I went many, many years without needing anything. Granted, I was not happy that I wasn't that happy, but I'm just curious. I don't know. I guess I'm just the idea of trying a bunch of different things to see which is the right one for me. I just don't know that I'm up for that because it takes a while for them all to kick in and they all have different side effects. And I, I guess I'm becoming a little bit disenchanted with that whole mode of therapy even though it did help me a ton have you ever been on anything no and i 
I was picturing that when you were describing it, like what a doctor would say to someone, only knowing it really from the commercials of like suicidal thoughts or right. if you've had those like bad thoughts, you know, and I think everyone has intrusive thoughts or, mm-hmm. or qu- even if it's just questions like, what is this? Does it matter? Why am I here? Oh, that's I that's all the time for me. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's increasing in just humanity. We're mm-hmm. getting more and more aware of just kind of like, wait a second, what right. is this? There, there are almost too many bad elements. Whereas before you could be like, well, I'll just lock in on this is fun. Mm-hmm. I can kind of tune everything else out. Whereas now it is in stereo all around you all the time. Like, wait a second, if none of this matters and it's somewhat meaningless, is, it, is this hell? Is this like a bad space to be in? Or is it just my impression? And why am I so negative about it? Et cetera. Mm-hmm. I, I would have guessed those thoughts are common to a lot of people. Yeah. But if I'm a doctor and our brains are just a collection of these chemicals that you can manipulate them, be like, oh, we're going to add these chemicals. And guess what? They will make these synapses fire mm-hmm. in a way that gives you just maybe a shade more dopamine or whatever. I think that you could, that's what scares me. Like if, if I had to always ramp up mm-hmm. and then the thought of like, what would a doctor say when they're going to peel you down off of it? Like, hey, these thoughts are going to roar back. Pay attention to them. Then come back and tell me. I think you would just be marching someone out with like a loaded gun or something, essentially saying like, don't you shoot anything, especially <laughs> not yourself. Let me know if you have any thoughts of shooting things. Like, of course I do. Of course I would. Uh, so th- Wait, I don't have thoughts of shooting anything. <laughs> that was probably a bad analogy because of the gun. But like, yeah. you know, if giving someone um, a slice of peanut butter and a slice of jelly in each hand and then being like, that's also a bad analogy. But just the idea of like, don't push those together. Right. And more importantly, don't think about putting them together. Well, it's and impossible. then also if you, <laughs> to go with this metaphor, if you do end up putting them together at this point now, and I'm not 100% sure I understand how you're using the <laughs> metaphor, but I'm going to see if I do. It's once again a terrible metaphor. If you do put them together, is it because that's just your basic nature or is it now because you went off of the drugs that were keeping the jelly and the peanut butter apart. And, and that's what I'm not going to know. Well, I, I think it, you're hyper aware of, of these gates you'd put yeah. up in your mind to be like, just ignore it. Just try to pretend that you're living life and really zero in. And I think when people are like being very present and focusing, controlling my breathing, mm-hmm. it's really just a thought exercise. So like, let's keep those thoughts away. Right. I mean, right. I, if I were like really overweight and drank all the time, there's no way I would survive. I feel like I only exercise and do things like that for like mental stability. Mm-hmm. So I, it's like a, there's a maintenance aspect to, for me to like stay even remotely palatable as a human. To other people or yourself? Both, yeah. Do you have depression or anxiety? I think, yeah, I think everyone. It's rampant in my family. And I think that I also, this is like such an old school way to think about it, though, that like I look at it as manageable. I think the the chemical side of it is just an extension of doing that. It sounds like Scientology type crap Mm. because I'm not opposed to it. I know a lot of my friends take something and have taken something for a long time and it's done nothing but good things for them. But I, I also do kind of like the challenge of like, well, I've made it this far. And I like I, I enjoy when I can kind of process life and why am I not enjoying it and you know, understanding my brain right. and, and running these little checks all the time. Like, mm-hmm. Wait, why am I feeling like this? Yeah, that was me before. Mm-hmm. Um, because my husband has been telling me for years I should be on something. <laughs> <laughs> and I really didn't feel like I needed to be and I think I had this idea that that, that the drugs just kind of make you numb I didn't realize that 
if they're working right, that's not, it's more like if you have a headache and you take the pills and the headache goes away, it's like you, the, the problem of depression tends to go away or is, is lessened. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I really didn't avail myself of it until it just started getting so dark. And I just felt, I felt, I mean, I've, I've talked about it on the podcast, it would just be like, what happened to babies in the Holocaust? I've got to Google that. Don't Google that. Like, and yeah. just constant, like, thoughts like the just thoughts of I was sort of became obsessed with like the worst things that can happen in the world and harm to innocence and not me causing it Mm -hmm. um but I just felt like the world is an awful dark lonely scary place and I'm on like a little iceberg and everything's melting and I'm okay right now but I'm not going to be for long yeah it just and that was different than what I had felt before I think that I was sort of traumatized by the whole birth experience and I was still kind of processing all of that. And, um, you know, my son had to be in the NICU for a little while, which none of that, like none of that is what you hope. Yeah. So I was in, I had jaundice and a little bit of a cone head and they put me in this little like incubator incubator thing. I had goggles on and as legend tells, I was the only infant that ever pulled the goggles off. Oh, you pulled <laughs> so, the scales from your eyes. You wanted to see. I, I wanted to be blinded by the <laughs> um, So maybe it's not so bad in there. Maybe yeah. like we look at it and go, oh man, because it's so personal. You know, like mm-hmm. this is something in my life that I envisioned going this way. Right. And maybe that's all life is. Like we, we don't even, I guess if you had like a really hard line, like I want to be this by this age, living in this kind of house by this age, married to this person, et cetera. Life would be so difficult if you didn't hit all those markers. But to everyone else, we maybe have like a loose idea. And then when you're presented with life that, you know, people that are so good and so gracious at going like, oh, well, we have this or we were dealt with this, but just feel lucky. Feel lucky to be here. Yeah, I don't get those people. (laughs) I don't know if I fully get. Yeah, I I mean, I love it, though. I feel Mm -hmm. like that's kind of what you have to buy. It's aspirational. Yeah. Because when you are on that iceberg and I feel like people that feel the world feel that. They feel like... Right. Maybe I don't have, according to my psychiatrist, the disease of depression. (laughs) Maybe that's just what the world actually is. There's a Mark Maron line that I told him this one time. And then he went, oh, really? He liked that one? And I was like, oh, you dick. (laughs) But it was, uh, do you ever look around and see the world and think that maybe depression is the appropriate response? He didn't like that? He just didn't like that I was, I think so many people at that time mm-hmm. were, you know, saying, hey man, I like this or this or that. Maybe he yeah. was just sick of it. It was weird. I, I talked to him later about it and he was just laughed it off. I'm like, ah, I was probably just being a jerk or whatever. But, and he wasn't. It was just a weird thing. You expect someone to go like, oh, thanks man. And just go, oh really? You like that one? Yeah. <laughs> like, I do though. I think it is, there's a lot said in that, that right. it's not, you're not a maniac you're not a weirdo you're not atypical even Mm -hmm. i think you're just processing things that no one likes to talk about right well so then then the question be okay so let's just say we accept that the appropriate way to look at the world or the appropriate response what was the wording of the line yeah yeah like the 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 appropriate response yeah is depression Mm -hmm. But you don't have to feel that. You could take these pills and feel better. Yeah. What's the argument against? And I'm not making an argument, but that, that is that my like then follow up question. Like, what would be the argument against it? Because you only get if you believe you only get one life, which yeah. I do. Uh-huh. Um, then it's like, why not enjoy it if you can? Yeah. You know, like why? Well, my what my sister said to me, and it almost sounds like a commercial, but she's like, you deserve to enjoy your baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I lo- I always loved him, but like I was not feeling 
those but that's an that's a whole other head trip of like the things that you think you're supposed to feel as a new mother and it just mm-hmm. it just took me a while to feel all of those um i think because my brain chemistry or my emotions or wherever the seat of all that is was just like kind of blunted mm-hmm. have you seen uh kids in the hall brain candy i don't know if i don't think i saw that i think it's worth rewatching because it might have been a little ahead of its time i mean they it's all about sort of like the, the populace being medicated mm-hmm. and like the need for it. And they always kind of touch on this, like the Lego movie weirdly kind of had the, yeah. like with dystopian stuff of like, everyone's just like, this is great. And pop music. It's awesome. And everything's cool. It's great. Right. If you're not feeling awesome. Take some drugs. And so yeah, we're all, I think entitled. I had, I think that's where my resistance came from before a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause you're, even that, which seems like, well, I do kind of feel that way, but that also then becomes like this, kind of uh, not propaganda but it's something to make you feel like oh well, now I'm one of them I'm well that of- is what I like <laughs> there was a point at which when it was first working and by the way it's not like it's not working at all anymore um, I just probably mistakenly but I'll find out believe that no this is me that's just I'm just doing a lot better now than I was mm-hmm. but anyway <laughs> I was like I I can tell that I am so much easier to be around right now and so much more pleasant. And I'm like, I bet my husband's experience of me is improved because I don't have this super heavy energy anymore. And, you know, I just bet it's, it's, it's easier to live with me. Oh my God, I'm becoming a docile, complacent wife. That's what they want. (laughs) I didn't really think that, but I did have that. I have had, I, I keep having to remind myself I'm the one who sought out these therapists, sought out this treatment. Like this is not something being done to me because I do, maybe I just read too much science fiction Uh or short story. It's not like that. I read a ton of it, but I mean, I've just, there's too much in my head of like, this is like, it is population. It is control of people. It's Stepford wives. (laughs) I don't really think that though. No, I I think it's, it just seems like a natural progression that humans would see like, this has probably always been there. There mm-hmm. are people like taking opium and laudanum and all. It wasn't like, oh, depression just sh- suddenly showed up. I right. think it was always there and just manufactured in a different way. And more people now, and especially more people that are kind of forced. Oh, well, that, that's a byproduct of it. But a lot of people, I think it, depression gets enhanced by the presentation of what we we're just talking about. Like the world around you mm-hmm. is more evident than ever before. And so you like look at it more than ever and go like, whoa, I have some <laughs> thoughts about this. Yeah. Yeah. So. I know. Daniel comes home. I don't know how much. Well, I'm just going to talk about him. You know, he'll like, he'll have listened to a political podcast and he'll feel so bleak about the world. And I'll, yeah. I'll listen to the way he's talking and I'll think, is his, you know, depression for lack of a word, is it truly about the state of the world or is it like something else that he's projecting onto that? Um, I'm, I'm a load of fun to be around. I don't say, I don't say all this. I just say it on podcasts. Um, but there's enough going on in the world that it really, you can, you can be legitimately depressed about what's going on in the world. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it seems completely acceptable to have any, number of the thoughts. Oh, you like that? Do you? (laughs) I just, yeah, I think it's real. you know, have you ever done mushrooms? I never have. I bring that up to you a lot, right? Um, no, Daniel. Uh, before we had a kid, I mean, a, he's a fan. He hasn't done them in a long time, mm-hmm. but um, he's very much a fan of the handful of experiences he's, he's had. And I'm very curious about it. I feel like I missed the window for hallucinogens, sort of in that 
I think a lot of people feel that way. I don't Maybe think that's not, the though. case. Someday. Though. Maybe. I, I only bring it up because I had like a cliche experience doing that. They'd be like, oh boy, here we go. No, I want to hear. So we went out in the woods and spent like a whole day, like camp the night before and then wake up and kind of like, all right, we got the whole day. Let's just... Whenever, yeah, like whenever I'm already out, but okay. <laughs> if camping is is involved. You could drive out, I suppose, too, and still do it. But it's just nice to do it in a place where, like, because when you think of the world, and especially, like, a metropolis, like, the vis- visual molestation that you're subjected to, mm-hmm. not even just advertisements, but everything, auditory, elsewise, uh, it's nice to just be out in nature where, like, the, the sounds, you're kind of, they're predictable. Birds here and there, a breeze, some rustling, clomping. And so we did mushrooms and then uh, it sort of set in as we walked along. But I remember at one point walking along and looking around at the forest around me and it was all hanging and dead and dying and just gross and dark. And I thought, oh, man, like this is so weird. This is re-. But I was having really negative thoughts. Then a bit later, I was having more positive thoughts, people I loved in my life, things I was thankful for, happy. All of a sudden, I'm in this like vibrant technicolor crate, and I thought, whoa, this forest is so diverse. How could that part be so close to this one? And then the next day, not on mushrooms, we were walking out, it was all the same forest, and it was purely just like the thoughts I was having at the time were kind of matching in the most generic way, but it was, it was fully real. What did the forest actually look like? It was a middle ground. It was just kind of mm. shrubbery and stuff. It's and beautiful. Trees. <laughs> Who were you with? My friend Andy and then some mutual friends that I have not kept in touch with since then. But um, he was my main guy. Like he and I kind of, there were three of us, I suppose. But he and I kind of branched off to just be the two of us mm. to a certain degree throughout it and kind of like are you seeing stuff yeah i'm seeing stuff <laughs> and then like a lot of contemplative time just sitting there it felt like 10 years but then also you kind of wake up like how long have we been here like 10 minutes so yeah it was really i just think of that when i have the, like what we were just talking about i just think of like right. that i'm painting this picture to a certain degree too well that's shakespeare i'm about to mangle a line but I, nothing is good or bad but thinking makes it so oh i like that mm-hmm. I had a, this is a much more prosaic experience, but I was in New York. This guy that I had a crush on was going to be, was in from out of town and was going to be coming over that. A guy that I had a crush on, but we just had a platonic relationship. Mm -hmm. But still, he was going to be coming over and we were going to like, you know, walk around and go out to dinner. And for the hours in between, like when he, when I knew he was coming over and when he arrived, I was just elated. Mm -hmm. I was so excited. And it was like a drug. It was like, I don't care about anything else. I'm just like, I'm so excited for what's going to happen later today. Then I thought this feeling, it's a predictable feeling in this situation and I know what it feels like. Why can't I just recreate this feeling without the oh, actual yeah. stimulus? Mm-hmm. There are people that try to do that. Like, does that work? <laughs> I don't. It's just a lot more fun when you have, you know, when you've when seen people real. drink like non-alcoholic beer and they're like, you guys, I've got news for you. <laughs> <laughs> we need maybe just placebo or whatever that thing yeah. is to kind of like unlock the gates or something. So yeah, right. I think it's there, but definitely and it's not well, I, I think what it was is i was like this is a very much a, a chemical physical sensation i mm-hmm. wish i could just recreate this because what i'm enjoying is like he's not actually here yet this mm-hmm. is all just my imagination of it right now and yeah. i'm enjoying this probably more than i more than the experience <laughs> of right. him being here yeah at this point all he can do is kind of 
like bum me out yeah. <laughs> disappoint me <laughs> dampen your experience well um we're we're suddenly filling up our our time for for one episode. I don't know if you'd be around, be up for sticking around for a little more, or do you have to get going? Let me just see what time it is. Um, I could do a bit. Do you ever do like a second shorter one? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I could okay. do that. Yeah. Okay, cool. Isn't she the best? I hope you'll come back for part two. In fact, there's, it's a switch up of a part two because the continuation of that chat will actually be in the Patreon. And the other part two, well, that's just a mystery. You'll just have to wait and see uh, next week. But we'll get a little bit more into her uh, time as a music journalist and things like that. So if that interests you, come on back. I think she's so fascinating. Such an interesting uh, and well-developed vocabulary, which is, I feel like, kind of a rare trait these days. Even people that are highly intelligent or highly educated a lot of times they just they use you know a fine diction but when someone throws in some words we're like oh, I, I, I don't hear that word very frequently it catches you off guard from time to time like ooh, that is interesting and i feel like she has a very good vocabulary so uh if you'd like to hear part two of of that original chat it'll be on the patreon very soon thanks to those of you who do support the show that way i uh, appreciate those of you who've reached out and um and just in little subtle ways said, hey, someone emailed recently and said, hey, I'm one of those space cave lurkers. And I don't know if I should mention the person by name. Maybe I'll think it over and next week mention them by name. I always feel like if you're out there just quietly going about it, that you, for whatever reason, even hearing your first name on a podcast or something, you'd be like, oh no, now everyone's going to come knock on my door. Highly doubtful that'll happen. Even if you get up on top of a table and start shouting at people, they're very rarely going to turn around these days. There's just too much stuff going on. Anyhow, I appreciate those of you who do email from time to time and say, hey, here's a potential guest that would be good, or here's beer that I like, or music, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, I appreciate it. And obviously rating and subscribing. The amount of people that have clicked on a star on iTunes has gone up a little bit. So I appreciate that. I don't look at it all that frequently, but I do know those metrics and things like that help. So if you're wondering like, why isn't this podcast, you know, more uh, prevalent or what have you? Well, it's probably because of that. The The algorithm doesn't recognize it yet. So if you're telling your friends, that's great. If you're not, that's fine too. But if you want to in some way help out and maybe financially you don't have the um, the means, you can always click on a star. That helps and keeps the show ad-free, which I, I'm I'm happy to do. I think it's uh, it's nice to just have some little oasis in the world where you're not being visually or audibly sort of molested with your time and or energy or senses by advertisements. So um, beyond me just um, blabbering on about having you help with the show, that's about it. We'll try to keep it ad-free as much as possible, unless I just get some sweet lucrative offers that I can't pass up, you guys. I gotta get my jewelry. You know me. I need my jewels. Going back to music... Uh, this is the guy is on a hit streak. I feel like, and maybe it's time to just turn over the the A and R work as a musical examiner on this show over to Dan from Orange. That's on Twitter. Dan Pritchard, as you know, who puts this show together from the goodness of his heart every week, down under, down there in Australia, has found another one. I feel. I hope you like this song. I did from Moon Lover. It's called Lazy Daisy. Thanks for stopping by the Space Cave. When I kneel down at your altar And I drink your bloody wine You finally looked into my soul And I left my past behind I kept my
yourself together just to make sure